0: You are listening to the One Church TO podcast. We are an imperfect community who are attempting to help people know God, love people, and make an impact in our city of Toronto, Canada. At the time of this podcast episode, we are currently experiencing the COVID-19 worldwide pandemic. So you'll start to notice in this same feed, we'll be providing some extra episodes alongside our weekend teaching to encourage you throughout the week. But we hope today's teaching is valuable for whatever season or situation that you find yourself in.
1: Well, hello, uh, One Church TO family. Great to be with you today. I, I love that line from that song that Pastor Richard just uh, sang. What pe- anxiety fails to remember is that pre- peace is a promise you keep. So, welcome to our series on anxiety relief. Anxiety relief. To start the series, I wanna start with some word association. I'm gonna show you four images and I want you to tell me how they're all connected. What do they have in common? The first is budget. Uh, Now, you may be allergic to a budget. You may not like a budget at all, but uh, you all know what a budget is. So what does a budget have in common with something like a fence or a wall or some sort of dividing thing? What does that have in common? A fence and a budget? And what do they have in common with the law? Think of all the laws in Canada that they are and what does the law and fences and budgets have in common and what do they have in common with limits? Because everyone and everything has limits. Well, what they have in common is they're all boundaries. We know that. Listen, a budget is a boundary and when you exceed that budget, Usually, there's some sort of consequence on the other side of it, right? Uh, the laws. If you if you walk outside the laws, those boundary lines that are put there, of course, uh, you, you know there's some danger to be outside of those boundary lines. Those boundaries are there to protect others and protect yourself. Now, you know, I love the Urban Dictionary because if you journeyed with us for any like the time, you know, I love the rawness and realness. Well, in the Urban Dictionary, they define boundaries this way: a boundary is something that was invented to keep people away when you're sad, mad, or you just wanna be alone. Uh, They usually give an example, and this was the example, and as I gave it last night, one of the staff said, I've heard this before. (laughs) Dude, I was just trying to talk to her, but she said that she wants boundaries between us. Boundaries are something that separate us from someone or something. They're separators. And we all need boundaries. Boundaries are healthy things. But here's the truth about you and I. We all have a bit of unhealthy uh, relationship with boundaries. Some of us have a real rigidity around them. Some of us have a real fluidity around them. But many of us are missing health when it comes to boundaries. Here's our relationship, how it usually takes uh, uh, a rhythm in terms of uh, boundaries in our lives. Many of us, we feel safe with boundaries. And... Uh, this is, I, want to, I want to help you understand that anxiety and a, the heightened state of anxiety that we can experience in this life often is attached to our relationship with boundaries. Some people love boundaries. I mean, they love them. They know that there's a boundary line and they know that maybe on the other side of it, it's not safe there. So they are rigid about their boundaries. And what motivates them is often a fear a fear of what's on the other side of the fence, and they need to control their world. And people who love the safety that boundaries provide often try to control the people and the things in their world in order to feel peace or in order to feel safe. Now, people who love boundaries, you don't need to monitor them. They're really good at self-monitoring. They're gonna make sure that they keep the rules. In fact, many of us who love boundaries We actually go beyond self-monitoring, we're really good at monitoring others. I mean, we're gonna make sure that no one we know exceeds those boundaries or we're calling them out on it. Now that's not everybody's relationship with boundaries. I think even more of us feel suffocated by boundaries. Uh, they're, they're, They're boundaries that limit us maybe from joy or freedom. We see a fence and we think, wonder what great things are on the other side. We don't see danger we see oh, maybe that limit limiting us is a danger. So uh, think of it this way, in COVID-19, we're seeing both played out right in real time in front of us. There are some of you, you are uber diligent with the Purell and sanitizing the hands and social distancing and uh, following all the rules. I mean, you're uber safe in these moments and you're really rigid in how you employ that because you wanna be safe. On the other side of it, some of us are more like these people in Florida taken two or three days ago. Social distancing, let's go to the beach. Let's not just go alone. Let's, let, let's everyone go to the beach. And in fact, some of us are just, we feel like we're suffocating under these boundaries. And so we now want to jump over them and we want to move into a freer future. Now, what's kind of interesting is we need probably extrinsic motivation. And there's a lawyer, you probably saw this on the news, Daniel, Daniel Ulfelder, uh, who showed up at the beaches in Florida dressed as the Grim Reaper, <laughs> trying to dissuade people not to uh, break the social distancing rules and laws of that time. Uh, looking for extrinsic motivation. Now, here's the thing, though. I think a lot of us are, are a lot like these people on the beach in Florida in many areas of our life. In fact, I think a lot of us are like this young guy, this young guy. Mom's saying, don't, don't, eat, any. don't, eat, any. don't eat any of the candy that's in that bowl, don't eat any of it. Now, he's good, he's leaning back, he's cool, he's not tempted. Well, gonna check and see where mom is. Probably concerned, Maybe maybe she fell, no, no. Better check again, make sure she's not there. Oh, she's not there. Hmm, there's the bowl. I know there's a boundary. Wait, is she coming? No, now he's got it. He's crossed the boundary. He's holding it in his hand. He's raising it to his mouth. Wait, there's a camera on. I got it. You're gonna get me, Mom. Look, gonna move back, posture himself differently. Friends, how many of us are like this young guy? If their cameras weren't running, we'd be all over all kinds of boundaries. We'd be jumping them all over the place because we have an unhealthy relationship with boundaries. I think both of those extremes are unhealthy. You can see it played out in scripture. People that, are, that need boundaries, love boundaries, often develop a rigidity about them. And the Apostle Paul talked to Christians and said this, some of you have weak consciences. You're creating boundaries where there are no boundaries because you feel guilty when you shouldn't even feel guilty. So some of us, we specialize at creating boundaries and you know, sometimes we're hard to live with because of that, because those boundaries we think should be other people's boundaries, should be our children's boundaries, should be, you know how it goes. But so while some of us have a rigidity about our boundaries, some of us have a fluidity about our boundaries. And to be honest with you, you don't have enough of them. You don't have enough boundaries to keep you safe and to keep you thriving. So this message, because the idea is, I wanna, I wanna lower the anxiety in your life. I wanna help you create resistance, anxiety-resistant boundaries in your life. You need to move from rigidity and fluidity to health-didity. Now, isn't that a great word? It's gonna come up on the screen just in a minute. Health-didity. Health-didity is a word I'm just making up. You can jump in the chat room because it's a word I challenge you to work into a sentence this week. Try to work that word health didity in. Like, uh, you know, my pastor on the weekend encouraged us to move from, you know, uh, forget adaptability, forget even sustainability, rigidity, fluidity, health-ditty. health just work that into a sentence at school or at work or something like that. You know, what if you had a healthy relationship with boundaries? What if, maybe you never thought of a boundary this way, what if a boundary could separate you From your anxiety what if there was a boundary that you know we think of it as limiting us from something what if it protected us from something if we develop a healthy relationship because we're going to explore a boundary that god gives us that is guaranteed i guarantee it will lower your anxiety so if you have a bible turn to Luke chapter 13, or as Pastor Dennis said, if you have the Jesus Project book, turn to page 108. We're gonna look at a passage of scripture there uh, together in Luke 13, because here's the deal. There's a Sabbath, and it starts out this way. In Luke chapter 13, verse 10, it says this, one Sabbath day. Now, when I use that word Sabbath day, it's a loaded term for some of you, you've been around church world or religion for a while, maybe it's got a lot of baggage attached to it. Others of you you're like, Sabbath, I don't even know what that is, or it sounds very religious because it is kind of, but with the idea behind a Sabbath day is simply this: in God's creative order, when he made humanity and all of his creation, he said listen there's there's seven days in the week. I want you to treat one day as different than the other six one day." is a boundary day. A Sabbath day is a boundary day. It's a day designed by God to separate us. What, to separate us from what, Jonathan? Well, to separate us from our work. And it's one day a week where we're not supposed to work, we're to rest. It's one day a week where we're not supposed to succumb to all the demands that we experience throughout the rest of the week. It's one day a week where we're tried to unplug from the grind. It's a day to restore our equilibrium. It's one day that God gave us a boundary day to rest and restore. I like what the Canadian author Mark Buchanan says. Uh, uh, He says this about Sabbath. Sabbath imparts the rest of God. Actual, physical, mental, and spiritual rest. You know, when Jesus would say, you know, come to me, all you who are weary. Are you feeling that right now? Because with weariness comes that anxiety. Come to me and find rest. But also, he says, it's the rest of God. It, the things of God's nature and presence we miss in our busyness. Busyness is the enemy of every healthy relationship. Whether it's with your children, with a spouse, with someone you know, busyness is the enemy of meaningfulness in a relationship. And it certainly is with God. So God says, one day to not be distracted. One day to be restored and refueled. One day that you and I are to set aside things in order to connect to God. Now look at how the rest of the passage goes. So it says, one Sabbath day... As Jesus was teaching in the synagogue, so he's in a holy place on a holy day, a separate day. He saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She'd been bent, doubled for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her and instantly she could stand up straight. How she praised God. But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. There are six days of the week for working. If you circle that word in your Jesus Project book, there's six days for working. And he said to the crowd, come on those days to be healed, not on the Sabbath day. Now, what's going on here? Well, what's going on here is in Jesus' world, back in that ancient culture, there were a lot of things being debated at the time. Uh, things like the resurrection or the potential of a resurrection. The Sadducees and the Pharisees, which were religious parties at that time, they argued over and over about that. There were all kinds of markers that distinguished God's people from the people of the world, but one of the ones that was debated most was Sabbath-keeping. The idea was the Sabbath was special, was different, and you'd be judged by whether or not you kept the Sabbath. Now, here's the roots of it. It Comes from a portion of scripture in Exodus chapter 20, and God institutes a Sabbath day, a day of rest, a day to come apart from your work, from your everyday activities. To worship, yes, but to experience God and experience life. So Exodus 20, and that is part of what is called in the Hebrew scriptures, the Torah. And the Torah is the law, or think of it this way, it's the boundaries that God gave Moses to give to his people. So I really want to encourage you throughout this message, reframe your thinking around boundaries. Not all boundaries are meant to limit you. Actually, boundaries are meant to free you when they're given by God. Other people use boundaries to control, I get that. God's boundaries or limits or laws are never meant to control you, They're actually made to keep you not only safe, but to help you thrive. See, we get in our thinking, if there's a line here or there's a fence here, we wonder what's on the other side. I wonder what I'm missing out on. And God already knows what you're missing out on. And he's saying this, listen, jump the fence. Go, I'm not, you have a free will. You go ahead and jump that fence. But on the other side, you're not going to find the contentment. You're not going to find the satisfaction. You're not going to find the joy that you're actually seeking. You're, you may be harmed on that other side. So he gives these boundaries, these limits. Here's the problem, though, in Jesus' day, and maybe even in our days, you'll see in a minute, is they, they had not just the Torah, but the Pharisees and the religious leaders before and after them had what they called the Mishnah. And this were additional boundaries that weren't in the Bible, but they added them. In other words, in their zealousness to keep the Sabbath, they said, okay, here's the line that God gave. Don't work on the Sabbath. And they created all these other boundaries that you and I would never get close to breaking that boundary. Uh, In their defense, they had seen the effects of sin. They had seen the effects of brokenness. And they were so concerned about even going there, they created all these layers between that boundary and and maybe the potential of breaking it. So they added a lot of rules. So they had some interesting rules and Sabbath rules in that day. You couldn't walk over one kilometer because if you you walked one kilometer, it wasn't work. But if you walked 1.1 kilometers, you'd worked on the Sabbath. You can't do that. Uh, they were uh, Some of my, the more interesting ones I enjoyed, uh, you, you couldn't look in a mirror on the Sabbath day because that was considered work. Now, we all know, right? For each of us, it's a little bit different work when we stand in front of the mirror. Some of you, you got a lot of work ahead of you every time you stand in front of the mirror. Uh, for me, it's just kind of like, I'm ready, right? You know, we all have a different relationship with it. Either way, you couldn't look in the mirror, it was work. You couldn't light a candle on the Sabbath day. Now, the workaround was you could hire a Gentile, someone who wasn't a Jew, to, hi- to light the candle for you. So you could, you could still get it lit, but you had to pay someone to light it because you couldn't do it because that would be work. So against the backdrop of all of this, this zealousness to never break that law, they created a lot of additional commands and laws, additional boundaries that weren't even in scripture. Now, lest we're too hard on them, we're, we're similar. You know, I was thinking about it. This last decade of my life, at least, I have seen, this has been the decade of the superfoods. Have you noticed that I began to hear about foods I'd never heard of my whole life, but they suddenly became healthy. So they worked their way into everything. Like take, for example, kale. I, I never grew up eating kale. I never even heard of kale. But since it, you know, I'm sure some of you had, but in my region, in Canada, where I grew up, no one grew kale, I mean, so, so, but now we know it's healthy, it's a superfood. So, we, what do we do? We put it in everything. Kale salad. I mean, I used to love salad, and then we added kale. Kale chips. I saw a recipe online this week for apple kale cake. Friends, cake and kale don't belong in the same sentence. And don't even get me started with quinoa. What are we doing? Well, we're taking a good thing and we're making it an ultimate thing. We're doing exactly what the Pharisees did, but with with food. Here's how the thinking goes. If turmeric's good for me, if kale's good for me, then I'm gonna max it out, why? To get a maximum return. We think if a little of a good thing is good for us, then a lot of a good thing must be better for us, right? And we turn a good thing into a toxic thing. That's exactly what had happened with the Sabbath. It was a good thing. You need to understand in this passage in Luke 13 and the rest of the gospel, Jesus never denigrates the Sabbath. He never dismisses the Sabbath. He elevates the Sabbath. He's raising it up, but he's trying to restore it back to what it was intended for. See, in their zealousness, they had added a lot of layers to Sabbath keeping. So something that God had designed for people to rest and restore to add joy, to alleviate anxiety and pain in their life was actually creating more anxiety and more pain in their life. Something good had become something toxic. So here's the question I'm gonna ask you because it explores the rest of the passage. I wonder how much anxiety you and I experience in this life because we don't honor this boundary. We don't have a day that looks different from the other six days. We don't have a day where we're focused on what things add joy to our life and celebration. We don't have a day where we turn off our newsfeed, shut down email. We don't have a day where we stop working. And in turn, anxiety is permitted to go and permeate our our psychological minds, our spirits, our bodies seven days a week you and I weren't designed for that level of toxicity. We weren't designed to experience anxiety at that level. I, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, bringing, I'm bringing Sabbath back. Uh, he, here's the idea. In the ancient prophet Isaiah, he talks about the benefits of actually honoring the Sabbath. And I think this is really important for us. Here's what he says. He says, if you watch your step, in other words, pay attention to your steps on the Sabbath, And don't use my holy day for personal advantage. So there's one of the boundaries. You know that one day a week, it's not about you getting ahead in life. So much is about getting ahead in life, and that puts a lot of anxiety and stress and pressure on us. But one day a week, you you leave that with God. You don't focus on taking your personal advantage. If you treat the Sabbath day as a day of joy, this should be a day where you and I experience joy. God's holy day belongs to him as a celebration. Think of those words, joy and celebration is what should be in a Sabbath day. If you honor it by refusing business as usual, what kind of business as usual? Making money, running here and there. He says this, then you'll be free to enjoy God. Freedom sounds good. I love this last promise. Oh, I'll make you ride high and soar above it all. Above what? Above all those cares, all of those things that worry and, and weigh us down, and six days a week we toil under, but one day a week that refuels us, restores us, so we can soar above it. You see, Sabbath isn't made for God's benefit, it's your benefit, it's my benefit. Look at the way Jesus talked about it in the Gospel of Mark. He said, Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people. It's made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. See, they got backwards, the religious leaders of that day. They had kind of twisted it into a place where it was about meeting the Sabbath requirements. It wasn't about meeting the needs of the people. And a Sabbath day is an opportunity to create an anxiety-resistant boundary, a boundary that separates you from all of those things that create anxiety in our life. See, God knew his creation needed this. God made you and I from the dust, and we're never too far from our origins. And it's really good that we remember that. We came from the dust, we'll return to the dust. And because of that, God gave his creation a day of rest or a Sabbath day. And the reason behind that is so that we we could be mended, It's the mortar in our joints. It's a moment of restoration. It's a moment where anxiety begins to dissipate and its hold on us begins to loosen and courage and strength and joy comes from that. Here's the rest of the story. So remember this, Jesus heals this woman. She's been sick for 18 years, 18 years. And she's bent over, and Jesus heals her. It's miraculous. And the religious leader, he takes exception to it. He says, listen, you could have done this any of the other six days. Why are you working on the Sabbath? Because he saw this healing as work. And here's how Jesus responds. He says this. But the Lord replied, you hypocrites. Ouch. (laughs) Each of you works on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox or your donkey from its stall on the Sabbath and lead it out for water? In other words, you make sure your animals are cared for on the Sabbath. And then listen to how he ends this passage. He says this. This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right she be released even on the Sabbath? Even on the Sabbath? To be clear, in this passage, Jesus is defying the Sabbath convention of his day. But he's kind of bringing their focus back. And he says, you know, for 18 years, this woman has walked into this meeting place carrying the burden of her illness with her. And we don't know for sure how it all came about, whether or not she had a rheumatoid ailment of sorts that made her bend over or it was an accident, but he acknowledges and he recognizes the fingerprints of Satan in this. Satan's here. All the marks of him are in this account. His cruelty, his sadism that has so afflicted this woman 18 years, and don't miss this, 18 years she's come to the synagogue faithfully to meet with God. For 18 years she's carried her sickness with her. And for 18 years she still loves God. Uh, This is the type of faith to emulate in this life. Some of us have a faith connected to, and I know some of you, listen, I pray for you often. I think of those who have been praying for many years and not seen something come to pass yet. And yet you still keep showing up. You still keep loving God. You still keep trying to connect with God. And I want to say, that's the type of faith God will honor. Because sometimes in life, it's got to be the focus on just more than our short, temporary problems. It's got to be the larger thing. And she sees eternity in God's hands. And she doesn't grow weary in doing good. She continues to show up 18 years later. So in the middle of this, this is a pitched fight, the religious leaders with Jesus. It has political implications, religious implications, theological implications, but he doesn't get trapped in that. He always sees the man and the woman. For the religious leaders, often the man and the woman are an illustration or an opportunity to trap Jesus, not for him. He sees them, and he does what he does. Jesus means to restore. He means to restore. Friends, that's the work of Jesus, to restore. Religion can control, but Jesus is in the restoration business. Now, that sounds like good news, but be careful. Restoration is invasive. It's invasive in our lives. Uh, in this woman's case, it's not the resura- restoration of something that had been broken. It's the restoration of something that was broken and almost mended it. In other words, she's learned to live with this illness. She's already adapted to it. She's already accepted it. She already knows how to pick up her grandchildren with that twisted back of her. She knows all of these learned behaviors. And Jesus meddles in this moment. And all of everything that she knows gets changed. See, this is why Jesus would ask, and he did in the Gospel of John, someone that was a paralytic, he asked him this question, do you want to get well? What a funny question. Why would Jesus ask someone that's not well, clearly not well, do you want to get well? Because not everyone wants to get well. When I was a young adult, I came to Jesus and I had kind of dabbled in it. I'd grown up in the church. I had a toe in the water, but... I wanted to do my own thing. I saw these limits and these boundaries and I wanted to jump over them and enjoy life. And I had a lot of intellectual problems with some of the some areas of faith and I struggled with that. But I came to Jesus as a young adult and to be honest with you, I wanted the drug, not the cure. I wanted the drug, not the cure. Maybe you can relate to me. I wanted a drug to help me get over my life cold. See, I felt a lot of guilt in that moment because I had done some things, I regretted. And I should have felt guilty on them. I also had some circumstances that were broken because of some of my choices in life. And I wanted the drug that would help me feel better and would fix my life cold right now, the circumstances that I was in. But I don't think I wanted the cure immediately. Because often the cure means not just getting over those moments and those feelings and those thinking things. It's changing. What if the cure meant you need to change your lifestyle? What if the cure meant you needed to change some of your habits? You needed to start doing things, and you needed to stop doing other things. What if the cure was bigger than that? And that's what restoration is about. Jesus is not a Band-Aid. He's a restorative, creative, transformative God. And Jesus wants to restore us. But beware, restoration is shocking to our system. Because it's never about getting a Band-Aid out. It's about change. So when someone says, do you wanna get well? To be honest with you, probably all of us, on occasion, if if we were really honest and we were really cognitive of what that meant, we'd say, some days, (laughs) at times, I wanna be well. But I think everyone is a follower of Jesus. You'll have moments just like his disciples did. We'll have moments where we wish you could take a holiday from being holy. We could wish we could take off the the limits or the boundaries that we see or perceive of serving God. And yet, there's something we do know. A little bit like when Jesus said to his disciples, do you want to leave me? Because everyone was leaving him at that time. I love the Apostle Peter's response. He said this, to whom shall we go? (laughs) You have the words of eternal life. Where, where, Where would we go, Jesus? Some of you know what I mean because You know, you've had those moments where you've decided to jump the boundaries, move away from Jesus, and then you got what you got on the other side of it. And you realize, who, who, whom shall I go to? He has the words to eternal life. Sabbath is a boundary that's meant to make you and I whole, to restore us. It was Jesus' favorite day to heal. He healed often on the Sabbath. And I love his words to the religious leaders. He said, listen, you'll untie your donkey and give him a drink. Yet I untie this daughter of Abraham, this woman who's been tied to Satan for 18 years, longing for a drink, longing for freedom, desperate for peace, longing for health, and I'm not going to make her wait one more day. Jesus isn't working. Jesus is liberating. He's liberating. That's the work of the Sabbath. The religious leaders accused Jesus of working, but the only person working in this passage was this woman. She worked like a slave unceasingly to this chronic condition in her life that dominated her life, and Jesus is freeing her, and that's what Sabbath day does for us. It's liberating it's freeing, it's filled with joy. It's celebration. Now, to be honest with you, as a kid, Sabbath didn't always didn't always feel that way or I didn't always experience it that way. Growing up, Sabbath had to do more with the way I got dressed or what I didn't do than what I did do even. Words like joy and freedom and celebration, uh, words like liberation. We're not exactly the words I would have used to describe my experience around Sabbath. But it's really critical that you and I develop a different idea around Sabbath if we're going to build an anxiety resistant boundary between us and the anxiety of life. So, if you haven't already, I'm going to invite you to join us at groups night this Wednesday, seven o'clock at One Church Deal Live. Dr. David Ng is going to join us, he's a psychiatrist. Uh, In the Toronto area, a member of our church, but he's going to join our panel. and We're going to discuss not only the weekend's message, he's going to help give us some tools to deal with the anxiety that we experience in this life. And I'm not talking about the anxiety that comes from maybe some uh, brokenness emotionally, mentally in our lives, but the anxiety that we feel overwhelmingly in our lives. But you'll be able to ask him questions, so join us on that Wednesday night. Here's the next step, though, for you. I want to give you clearly a next step out of this message before we close in prayer, and it's simply this. I want to encourage you to write your own Sabbath plan, your own Sabbath plan, a plan that will limit your activities around one day of the week and actually allow fresh activities one day a week In order to establish anxiety-resistant boundaries in your life, you need to ask yourself, and in a Sabbath plan, here's what you need to do. Get a piece of paper, whatever you do. Type in your phone, whatever it needs to be. What are you gonna do on one day a week that'll look different from the other six days? And here's what needs to be. You need to think, what's gonna add joy to my life, celebration to my life, freedom to my life, and connection to Jesus in my life? What are those components that will add to that? That needs to be part of your plan. And equally, you need to think, what needs to move from that day, get out of that day, because it takes away from my joy, takes away from my freedom, takes away from my celebration or my love. We need to do both, don't we? We need to do both. So for me, when I write a Sabbath plan for me, and when I was growing up, you know, Sabbath was Sunday. For Jews, it was Saturday. And uh, listen, for pastors, it's often Monday or Friday because we work Sundays. This is what I do for a living. This is part of what I, uh, what I do, and I work hard at it. So I need a day that looks different from the other seven days. I, it doesn't really matter which day, to be honest with you. It matters how you design that day. So for me, I need some hard yeses and hard noes on, on that one day a week that makes it look different from the other days. Let me give you some examples. You know, maybe in your Sabbath plan, you might say, I'm going to have a hard no on email. I'm not going to do email one day a week. This is impossible, Jonathan. You don't understand. I do understand because I get so many emails. It's crazy at times. And every time I open it on my day off, it just brings me right back into my work. And it brings me right back into my anxiety at times. But what if there's one day where you just say, I'm not looking. The world will have to, be okay without me that one day a week. This might not be easy in your world, but it might be something different you need to do. Maybe it's saying yes to something. Maybe it's saying yes to a gathering like this, and you say, one day a week, I'm gonna prioritize gathering with my church family, Saturday or Sunday. No matter what's going on, I'm gonna pause. I'm gonna get on my phone. I'm gonna gonna be there because I want to be in community, and it fills my soul, and I need that for joy and freedom and celebration. Maybe it's one day a week where you say, I'm not watching the news. I'm not looking at my Twitter feed. Six days a week, these guys will give me all the bad news that's going on in the world, but one day a week, the world will have to get by without me. Just one day. Why? Because I'm trying to build a boundary between me and what makes me anxious even. Maybe it's one day a week where you say, the music I'm gonna listen to is gonna be edifying, it's gonna build me up, and it's also gonna be focused on Jesus. In fact, maybe one of our hosts can jump in the chat room and just give a, a list of our uh, to our Spotify account as OneChurchTO, where you can listen and sing along with the songs that we do in the weekends. But one day a week, you're just going to allow things to build your soul up and your spirit up. Maybe it's a hard no around and a limit around work. I'm not going to work one day a week. No work talk and no work worry. Now, if Shelly was sitting next to me, she'd go, you're calling the kettle black because... I have difficulty with this. It's kind of like when, you, you know, when you're new parents and you finally, whenever that day is, you actually get out without your children, your child. And you go out and you say, listen, we're not gonna talk about the kids. And you get into a restaurant and about 10 minutes in, you're talking about the kids. You just can't help yourself, right? You just can't help yourself in that moment. Ministry's a lot like that. And Shelley will tell you, you know, your heart gets in it and you love people. And you're carrying weights and worries and you're carrying things people just said and all this kind of stuff. And turning it off is really, really hard. So Shelly and I have had to develop some hard lines around. We'll go for a walk and we just choose not to talk. And if I bring it up, she'll say, hey, is this a Sabbath? Walk? Is, this, is this not a moment that we're not supposed to be doing this? And I need those reminders. You may need those reminders. Build a Sabbath plan that works for you so that you can build that anxiety-resistant boundary and you can enjoy a deeper connection with God. And all I know is it has to have things that um, lead to joy and celebration and love and a connection with God and less distractedness. Now, I wanna close in prayer and uh, we're gonna do it a little differently today. I wanna invite you to pray out loud with me. I'm gonna put the words on the screen and this is a familiar prayer for some of you. It's called the Serenity Prayer. But as I was writing this message, I just thought the words of this kept coming back to my mind because I thought it acknowledges the difficulties that we all face in life at this time, but it also acknowledges the strong presence of Jesus and the difference it makes. So I would like you to pray it out loud. Even if you're on the bus listening to this on your phone, pray it out loud. The people around you will be blessed by this. I know it. If you're with your family, all of you. Pray this prayer out loud as the words appear on the screen. Let's do it together. Let's bring our lives before Jesus in this moment. Let's pray. God, say it with me if you would. Give me grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed. Courage to change the things which should be changed. And wisdom to distinguish the one from the other. Living one day at a time, Enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life. And I love this line and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Amen.
0: We're glad you joined us for today's teaching. If you're listening in right now because your church isn't able to meet, we welcome you and we ask that you keep supporting your church community with all the engagement and giving options that they have. If you need any assistance in this unprecedented season, please let us know by email at care at onechurch.to or by texting the word care to 416-291-9575 or even just giving us a call at the same number. All other events and programming can be found at onechurch.to slash connect.